Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. You're listening to the Alonement Podcast. I'm your host, Francesca Spector, and this show is all about your longest and most important relationship, the one you have with yourself. It doesn't matter if you're single, married, or somewhere in between. Alonement means valuing your time alone, regardless of your romantic status. Each week, I ask a new guest about the time they spend by themselves and why it matters. My guest this week is model and mental health campaigner, Jada Cesar. Sometimes I have the best moments when I'm sitting having lunch by myself and I'm just pondering and contemplating life and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe my business should be a bit more like this and maybe, yeah, maybe I'll start YouTube. Like, these things happen when I am alone. Jada Cesar is an activist and plus-size model. You may have seen her starring in the latest Adidas campaign or on the cover of Women's Health magazine or running the London Marathon in her underwear alongside journalist Bryony Gordon. But the one place you won't have seen her is on Love Island. She's turned the producers down three times and counting. Jada has a master's degree in child psychotherapy and she's currently an ambassador for UN Women and has worked with a number of mental health charities, including Young Minds. A huge part of what Jada stands for is self-love and empowerment from within, which obviously correlates so much with the alonement message. So I can't wait to speak to her today and see what she has to say. Jada, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I'm so happy to have you on. My pleasure. Lovely to be here. Thanks for coming. Not at all. (laughs) You've been on Sky News this morning. Yeah, just run off air and came straight here. We were talking about fitness and the This Girl Can campaign and showing real women in advertising, which is great. It's one of those things that I'm always supporting and was asked last night if I'd come on Sky News and talk about it. And I was like, yeah, sure. (laughs) Um, So I look a little bit sleepy, but... We're waking up. (laughs) For context, you can't see this, but Jada, you look great. Especially as you told me you had quite a hectic day yesterday. Mm, Oh, well, it's but Okay, let me give you some context. I love having a little bucket list of a few things I'd like to achieve year to year. And one of those things was to get a motorbike license. And I had been training in 2019 and did not get it. But yesterday, I passed my test. I got the license. And it's so much fun. I've always, I've driven cars since I could get a license. So what, 17 years old? And love driving my car. But there was something about being on the road on a motorbike where you don't have anything encapsulating you and you've got the wind in your face and it was bloody cold yesterday and it was raining. Um, 
and you get off feeling like you know the same sort of feeling after you've gone for a swim in the sea that feeling of like exhausted but happy content exhaustion um so yeah really happy about that yeah it's that kind of exhilarating cold water swimming sensation yeah yeah yes um and we were talking about this so obviously today we're discussing alonement and the value of enjoying that time alone Mm. riding a motorcycle I imagine it's the most exhilarating solo experience it really is which I didn't think it was going to be when I first started but there's a part of riding a bike um, a manual like um proper like big motorbike not a little Vespa where you have to be focused and be mindful of everything that's going on like what your feet are doing what your your hands doing what the clutch control's like um, and I find it extremely meditative because you can't, although my mind tends to wander, I have to bring it back to the bike. And I feel like I get that same sensation when I paint and when I'm in a yoga class. Um, and the benefits of that, again, just like that quiet in the mind. There's not really a lot of things that you do that you give yourself time to do. Yeah, it's a bit too late for 2020, but. It's a good one to think of for 2021, that bucket list. Oh, I think you can start it now. Yeah? You can, yeah, there's no time to, like, I feel like there's always time for change. Like, you always have a choice. But starting is the part that I always encourage. Like, and that's why I said on Sky News this morning, because I was talking about running the London Marathon. It was never about being an expert or hitting a time. I was not a runner. I went in quite ignorant to what running entailed. And there was many, many times during my training where I was like, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. But it was just starting again and again and again and again. That was the key. Have you always been like that? Just really open to trying new things, even if no one else is doing them? Yeah, I think I've always kind of had that attitude as a kid. I would always like sort of be open to trying new things. I was quite robust. And growing up, I always felt like I questioned why we should be a certain way or why we expected to to do certain things. Um, I was quite a tomboy, so I didn't, and I had no fashion sense, so I didn't convey, um, I wasn't coerced into looking pretty and prim and sitting properly and being like a girly girl because that's what boys liked or that's what we were told we should be. I would spend hours in the art room making crazy sculptures out of clay and had found my friendship group through those hobbies that I loved. I played the violin for four years, loved being a part of an orchestra. Um, I swam and, you know, was a part of a sports team. And that's what where my confidence developed and grew. So a lot of my attitude was not ever... And, you know, if there was any point that I didn't like it, my dad was like, okay, fine, you can, you can stop. Yeah. But I loved it. So it was something that I continued to do for a while. I think I've come from a family that allowed us to have choices as well. So my dad was Turkish, Muslim upbringing. My mum is... British, came from a Christian household. And my dad would say, often say things like, regards to religion, you research and choose what you want. If that's, if you're a religious person or maybe you're more spiritual, like go out, seek it out, what's right for you. And then, you know, as long as you've got a moral compass of be a good person, do the right thing and don't harm anyone in that Mm -hmm. process, then you, you know, you take full responsibility of those decisions and those actions and the outcome. And for me, that was really empowering because I didn't have the pressure of someone else's expectations. So you're in a relationship now, mm-hmm. which we're going to have a chat about later on. You have spoken about being single in your late 20s mm-hmm. and how that was a really good time for self-growth and getting to know those things about yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you break up with someone, it feels like the end of the world and it can be literally feeling like your heart is being pulled out of your body but 
I would say that that was one of the best times for figuring out who I was and who I am and what I love. I like rediscovered my love for art in that time. I found yoga, which I love in that time. And it was purely because you are forced to just get on with it and like be okay in your own space, be okay in your own company, which when you're living quite a busy life and if you're quite sociable, I didn't used to give myself that time. And so when I broke up with my ex-boyfriend, I spent a lot of time alone because I just didn't wasn't in the mood to go out. I didn't want to see anyone. Kind of was just at home. And that's when I started to think, okay, what do I do for me? What do I love again? And what felt calming? So yeah, to get rid of like all the anxiety I was feeling, a friend took me along to a yoga class. And that was when I found out that I really, really, I guess, loved yoga, but also it, it could really affect my mood, which yeah. I was always very skeptical. I was like, yeah, yoga, whatever, everyone talks about it. I'm not a yogi. Look, I'll just do some stretches in my room, in my house. And, yeah. and that's enough for me. But actually going to a hot yoga class, and it was one particular one at Fierce Grace that I always talk about. It was a deep core, candle lit evening class mm-hmm. that was in a hot, sweaty room. And it just made you have to relax, which... Throughout that time, I was getting really bad anxiety every day that if I didn't go to yoga, I couldn't sweat it all out. Yeah. So like the hormones and the adrenaline was all just kept in my body and it needed to leave somehow. And so after going to a yoga class, I was able to just have a proper night's sleep. So then I got into a habit of going to yoga. And then because I had more time on my hands, because that person was no longer in my life, I filled it with, and this was hard at first because you're like okay what do I do that person's not here anymore Mm. um there's a space that they've now left and this void you're like what do I do and so for you know for the first few weeks I was like I'm not gonna do anything I'm just gonna cry (laughs) and that's okay um and I kind of gave myself that permission to just like bum around and not want to leave my bed and then I was like okay get up get showered get on with it what do you like what do you love what do you want to go and do more of And so I took myself to an art warehouse and bought a canvas and some oil paints to get home that night and just started to lose myself in painting. And it's refinding the things that make you happy again, that maybe a person or partner would have done, um, or you would have done activities together. Mm. And so, yeah, I I love my time being single because it's confronting being alone and knowing who you are on your own. And I don't think before that I ever gave myself that time to figure out who I was on my own because I was in a relationship when I was at uni for like five, six years. And then I like had a little bit of time alone, but not really. And then I was in another relationship. And then after that, that was when I gave myself like two years to just fully immerse myself into just being with me. Yeah, I think we speak about it and it is a you know it's a bit of a cliche I you know I found myself when I was single but logistically it does sort of really work out as you say if you're in such long relationships it's hard to sort of especially if you're set into a routine it's hard to say I'm going to take that time for myself this is going to be my month of getting to know myself because to a long-term partner that probably sounds a bit weird right yeah yeah and I think if I didn't take that time for myself I wouldn't realize how much I valued it and I needed it even needing it to just process like what's going on in the dynamics of a relationship. So, you know, you've got you, you've got your partner, and then you've got you as an entity together, the us. I say you, him and us, you, me and us. And um, the us is very separate to the you and the him or her. And so it's knowing that difference and that separation that I kind of just blended everything into one pot. 
and couldn't really differentiate what do I need as a person that doesn't involve you and really honoring that like honoring the time alone um honoring being in my own home to just have space to think and like I said to process the day and and think about your dreams and then they can think about their dreams and then bring them together and see how they can complement each other and if they're on the same path you are now with your new boyfriend Tyson who you've been with about eight months Mm -hmm. can you tell me a bit more about that relationship and how you brought that independence into it when you started uh well I think it really helped knowing that we've been friends for over 10 years so he knew a lot about who I was and I am quite independent and very career driven and focused and so on a the importance of me needing that time to just do me as well and you know if I'm on my phone and I'm on social media he knows it's like work but I also respect him in turn and won't like take the piss I'm not like we are a partnership like we are you know moving forward together but um he gives me the space and also I think you don't have to know someone for 10 years in order to establish the importance of holding on to your own independence I think that's a conversation that can be had even like subtly in the beginning of a relationship where it's remembering to be like okay well you know on a Wednesday night I still go to my my class with my mates or I'm you know gonna go see my best friends for the weekend and it's remembering to do those things and in the beginning that's you know I always say the the first year of a relationship is incredibly important for setting the tone of what it will look like going forward so if you do that and that is just a part of your life but you still come together and you love them it doesn't mean you love them any less then they'll get that and understand that you are you have a balance um but it is really easy to just be like I really like you and I want to spend all my time and days and life with you forever and ever and ever but then it just becomes too much in the long run you know maybe at first you're in the honeymoon period and you get swept up and that's okay but then it's once you've kind of you've kind of come to a bit of a lull and that's when you've just got to include that balance in your life it's funny because a lot of time people speak about as you say the honeymoon period of a relationship and you assume that's the time when you don't really have any of those difficult conversations you don't really it's all sort of kind of holding hands and walking off into the sunset but you believe that it's actually a really important time for those uh almost not negotiations as such but establishing who you are as people and how this is going to work moving forwards yeah I I often think that that's where the boundaries are set from the very beginning that's where you know you're it's great the feeling of falling in love is amazing whatever chemicals are going on in your body I want them every day all that oxytocin give it to me but at the same time I'm like there's a part of my head that is also rational and logical as much as I'm into fairy tales and I love it. Yeah. But I also think you have to have your own back. So it is assessing, you know, I love you and we're going down the right path, but, you know, I need my time too. And like, what are your boundaries? Like, you know, we had some very like awkward conversations at the very start. Like I would just say like, how many kids do you want? And it, or like, how would you discipline your children? And kind of conversations that, you know, people would maybe wait like a year or two and, you know, it might sound really like it could freak you out. But actually talking about kids doesn't mean I'm going to have kids with you right now or have kids with you tomorrow or in a year's time. 
But it's getting an idea of like where your head's at, where my head's at, what's your outlook on life, like what are your goals? What's the like five year, ten year plan like that you have in mind? You might not do it, but like where are you at now and meeting them in that space? And I'm a huge believer of having, you know, go with a fairy tale, but there's a, a part of logic and reasoning and remembering who you bring to the table too. It's not just about the other person and how you feel together. It's this is who I am and being unapologetic about it. And if that person sticks around and still meets you in that space, then then it's meant to be, you know? And I think it's so cringe sometimes. You just don't want to have that conversation of because you think you might push someone away, but actually it's getting them out of the way quite quickly that can allow for a stronger relationship, I think. People might find it difficult to get that balance between driving someone away and being assertive in a way that's positive and can help you move forward. What would be your top tip for being more assertive in a relationship about your own personal needs? Mm. I often, when I have felt like I can't say something, my reflection has been that I'm scared of losing that person. But if you step into something feeling happy and content with who you are, okay, cliche, love yourself before you can love anyone else. But that really stops you from acting out of a space of fear and avoidance. And you act out of a space of, you know, contentness and and happiness, and you're just more confident. So, you know, if your decisions are driven by fear, then are they going to amount to anything that's healthy anyway? Whereas if you come into the space and like, you know, if you go, it doesn't matter, my life's still full, I'm still great. But you and I together are just going to, you know, make that compounded like incredible relationship but it's still great in as we're still great as individuals um I think because I stepped into a space really in a healthy place in my life I was able to just not be scared of avoiding it um and so I think do the self-work do the work know who you are know what your interests are don't try and get all the happiness out of the person that you're with because then you will be able to walk away and feel okay yeah because the alternative is that you're left with yourself which it's not such a bad prospect if you... Exactly. Yes, yeah, yeah. so you've developed that happiness with yourself. Yeah, and you've still got something going on for you that isn't stripped by... Like, somebody else isn't walking away with the happiness in their hands. And that's been really important and a vital piece of being independent, I think. Being independent is so, it has been such a hard journey for me as a woman that's come from a family of... We had a family business. My mum was very much like a homekeeper that helped out with the family business. My dad was very much the breadwinner, like proud Turkish man. And not seeing that role in my, you know, in my environment, it, it I didn't have anything to model it from. Um, but discovered over time how important it is to be financially independent, emotionally independent, and being able to have your back. And then you can be, you know, as a couple, healthily connected, but you're not, codependent on each other it's just a partnership where you meet in the middle and are able to support each other healthily but I don't need you I want you that's much that's very modern I think that view of a relationship because historically they've really been economic arrangements yeah we wasn't able to before you know yeah as a woman we weren't able to even buy our own houses you know there's so many things that came into play that made us have to rely on men but now we don't now we have a choice and i i say i'm a traditional feminist because i still love the feeling of like the maternal motherly aspect of wanting to be the primary caregiver and i love being you know a bit of a home 
um, maker and making the house comfortable. And I'm happy for that to kind of be, you know, 70% my job. Um, but at the same time, I like to know that I have a choice of going to work and I have a business that I run um, and I make money for myself as well. Uh, I think being a feminist for me is having the choice. Would you say that you feel more confident now that you're in a relationship or did you feel more confident before? Uh, I, I don't think it's either or. I felt the same in both spaces. Uh, my life is just different. I, you know, lived a very full life before I was in a relationship. I was really busy. I had a great social circle. Uh, being in a, in a relationship has just given me more of a, you know, I've had to consider someone else's needs a bit more. But we are a partnership. And so I have the support that is different to the support I had before. Because you can curate your life to how you want it, I think. So I didn't have a, a boyfriend when I was single, but I had, you know, and I still have great friends. Or I'd have a mentor. I found more mentors when I was single. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sought out maybe new hobbies. Um, whereas, yeah, I think in a partnership, it's just different. It's different, but similar. Like that confidence is still resonating there. And are you both very independent? Is it kind of okay for you to both say to each other, I need to take some time out to do X? Yeah, <laughs> he's super like, he runs his own company. Um, but I think, you know, because we've had a, such a long friendship, we've both got similarities that are something that's just always been there throughout the years of like, you know, our outlook on life, who we want to be as people, what we want to grow into, what are our goals, what's the vision for the world that we want to see that wasn't ever how we're going to do it together, mm. side by side. Yes. And so we've kind of just taken that and just put it into a committed relationship, which is now, how do we relate to each other in this space? Um, that's, you know, the in the constructs of what a relationship is. And actually, it's very similar to what it was as a friendship we now just boyfriend and girlfriend you know there's other parts that we explore um but we still make sure the fundamentals of are we chasing our dreams and are we still doing what lights us up that we protect and there's a part of like you know maybe before in a relationship there's part of jealousy or insecurity that might have flared up that maybe you know may maybe have made me want to not feel comfortable with my boyfriend having you know such a huge social circle or a big social life And as I've grown into understanding that that doesn't mean that somebody doesn't like you just because they have a life as well outside of you, you know, getting my head around that has really allowed me to appreciate and feel confident in knowing that this isn't something I need to stop and like suffocate. In fact, letting somebody have their life allows them to come back and bring even more enjoyment to the relationship. And, you know, you've got to understand that when you feel jealous is is because that's, you know, a piece of you and you don't want to lose it. So it's coming from a space of trying to protect, you know, sometimes. um, And maybe it's not, it doesn't manifest in positive ways, right? Sometimes it can manifest in extremely negative ways. In like the most extreme circumstance, it could be abuse, you know. But jealousy for me, when that flares up, I often sit back and go, where is this coming from? What is it that's making me jealous? What's the trigger? Is that saying something about one of my insecurities? Or one of the kind of narratives I've had in my head of I'm not good enough. And that person or thing has something better that I can't offer. And then I, I try to unpick that and work on it and then kind of give myself a pep talk. And then respond in a way that feels a bit more healthy. Um, 
rather than just reacting from a place of like an insecure space that's not me um and it's to yeah self-work self-work I like that Mm, you have to do the work you have to do the work because you know and my my boyfriend he um has done a lot of self-work too just because that's just some we're both into self-development and he trained as a spiritual counsellor and a new thought philosopher and so we've come from very similar backgrounds and just love it really really love it and that's where a lot of our growth has happened individually so when we come together those storylines aren't toxic or aren't we're acting from a space of like secure individuals rather than letting it kind of cloud the or we're acting from a place of anger and hurt and then that comes into the mix like we talk about it we even so one of my favorite podcasts at the moment besides yours darling is um esther perel's uh where should we begin and she is an incredible i want to say psychologist relationship expert and her podcast is like being a fly on the wall in a couple's counseling room and she talks about this thing called spiky hedgehogs so if anything flares up it's like recognizing what's in the room with you and then discussing it and so there's you know in the first i guess even up until this day to be honest this first year of my new relationship has literally been a lot of soul connection and understanding like how we meet each other and figuring out how do you deal with conflict are we compatible in that way can we talk through this can we work through it what is that spiky hedgehog that's just come into the mix like what is that about and then working through it together and you know I didn't realize how much I value that that emotional intelligence above a lot of things because it is teamwork you know it's like if you was in a job with and you couldn't speak to your colleagues like that would be conflict that would be existing in that relationship that would stifle that development whereas if you address it then it kind of allows like the settling um and reunited the re yeah the rekindling of something good and positive and you can just move forward without the burden of it still just lingering there there must be so much emotional intelligence going on in this relationship those spiky hedgehogs that you're speaking about (laughs) and i love that phrase and that's actually completely new to me although i love esther Perel. yeah how much does it happen that those come from issues that you've sort of both brought to the relationship things that you realize are actually more to do with you than the other person uh how much of it that's come through um you know not a lot like things come up occasionally I mean having a friendship for so long with someone means that they have seen you in a lot of different spaces yeah with a partner going through a breakup being single dating and you know we've had all these conversations I've you know met a lot of his girlfriends and vice versa and so there's a part that is already like we accept with each other yeah um but now and again one will just come out of the woodworks and like well I don't even know where that came from and what am I guarding right now what am I what am I saying that what what am I actually saying when I say x you know there's um a lot of the time there ha- there is a space of okay let's unpick this a little bit more I mean sometimes we're just stupid and bum around and just watch Netflix right <laughs> and other times when things flare up it's calling it out and you know Tyson's taught me a lot about this actually because he's better than I am but 
saying like, look, this is just, I'm feeling really insecure right now. And, you know, for me, hearing a man say something like that, it's so incredible. And it allows me to just feel more compassion and more love for what we have and what we're building because it's just being honest. And, you know, I I think a lot of my life has been just get through things. Just don't talk about it, like understand it, but just keep going, keep going. Like, you know, I have been in a relationship that was, that had no emotional intelligence. There was no intimacy in conversation. And so being able to then have what I have now is really just like hugely eye-opening and extremely important because it's being honest and it's being real and it's being human. Yes, I mean, especially being able to say, I'm feeling insecure, that's that's a huge thing. You wouldn't day-to-day say that to many people. Yeah. It's something that we all sort of try and hide our insecurities. Yeah. So to be able to say that, so you said that does create that intimacy, yeah. connection. Yeah, and I think people get scared because they think, oh, you're going to walk away or you're going to run with it and be mean or use it against me. And Actually, anyone that loves anyone, really loves them, you've got to, you can't use that as a weapon you just can't and like for me it didn't ever trigger like I've got one up against you now if anything it was wow I want to be a better person so that you don't feel like that yeah so one of the many reasons I wanted to ask you on this podcast I saw a really wonderful Instagram post you did last year where you were sitting I think having coffee at a table for one and you were absolutely owning it and you wrote a big post about doing things alone and how important that is Mm. and that's such a big part of alonement that sort of not just being alone at home which is something really important we need to learn to do but we don't really we're not really seen by anyone but it's that conspicuous alonement it's that going out and saying to the world I'm by myself and that's okay and that I can normalize that is that something you still believe in oh absolutely 100% like sometimes I have the best moments when I'm sitting having lunch by myself and I'm just pondering and contemplating life and I'm like oh okay yeah maybe my business should be a bit more like this or maybe yeah maybe I'll start YouTube like these things happen when I am alone yeah often and I used to take myself and I still do sometimes like where do I want to work today maybe I'll work from the South Bank maybe I'll go to you know a different um, cafe this time and maybe I'll go to Japan for two weeks and just travel alone which was one of the best trips of my life you went alone to Japan yeah amazing yeah I moved to Australia a couple of years ago and on the way to moving to Australia I stopped off in Japan and I thought instead of just doing a stop off in the airport why don't I spend 10 days here exploring Tokyo and loved it literally it's my favorite country in the world and it was my favorite experience I've ever had which I was surprised a lot of people like are you crazy why do you do it but solo traveling nothing really beats it for me so Jada we actually have that in common Japan is my favorite country really it is however when I went I went with my ex-boyfriend and I remember thinking this is a place that I can't imagine traveling alone because it's it was difficult with, it's, you know, it's quite difficult with the language barrier. And also, I think the, the biggest issue was that it isn't, or this is what I found, it isn't as naturally sociable. People aren't as inclined to speak to each other on the streets. They might mm. be somewhere in Europe, uh, probably not in the UK, but somewhere in Europe. Mm. Was that your experience? I mean, I kind of didn't have any expectations when I went there. I love anime. I love like the whole Blade Runner vibe and like technology. And I felt like Tokyo just emulated that 
fantasy world within me. Like I could sit there and write stories all day and just get lost in my own imagination in Japan. So I never felt like I, I was waiting on people to maybe invite me in. Yeah, getting lost in your own imagination. That's me. Like I remember my experience of Japan was, you know, standing outside of the Nissan showroom, seeing this big piece of foam being carved by robots into a car, the shell of a, a new Nissan vehicle. And I was like, I squealed. I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. And like, I'm literally just in my element. Um, and then I went back to Japan for my birthday and I traveled with a really good friend of mine and loved it too. But it was different because not only do you have the like independence to do what you want when you want, but you're enjoying it with someone else as well and with their own eyes, which for me, I don't know, it just kind of, it's different. It's still interesting, but it doesn't ignite every part of you because a part of it is with them. It's so true. I think, and it's it's really interesting that you speak about that with Japan. Um, I think when I visited Japan, at first I thought being here alone would be scary because you wouldn't be around people. But what you're saying is you, you sort of embrace that. You embrace that opportunity to be in your own head. That thing about solo travel and that sort of seeing it through your own eyes. I, I love that you can have that curiosity mm. when you're traveling alone. I think I remember being in Paris and realizing that you know I had a whole afternoon and you know yes I yes I could go to the Louvre but I actually also wanted to take a hour-long detour to go and visit this patisserie and, and that was possible and there was no one you know no one saw feet or no one's kind of competing objectives yeah and it's what you enjoy and you get there and you're like whoa these are like the best cakes ever you know and it's because that's your thing right um, I definitely got that when I was in Japan. I was like, all right, I'm going to go to the Samurai Museum and just get lost for a little bit. Um, no one's judging me. No one's going to be like, oh, why do you want to go there? What do you want to do? And then I walked out and was like, I'm going to take myself to the crazy robot show. And I sat front row and was there in my elephant, which, you know, I was surrounded by like couples and like families. And yeah, I just, there's not, I, there's not a lot of, moments that make me smile as much as when I look back at my trip to Japan I am very curious by nature I've always been that way and I think that's kind of part of my childhood maybe that played into why I didn't do things in a way that I necessarily need to or should do because my dad maybe encouraged us to be curious even now my sister's always like when I talk to her about new business ventures and stuff she's like but why why do you (laughs) want to do that why are you really chasing that dream? What what does it really mean to you? Um, and I love those conversations. It is again, it's introspection, but it's giving yourself the time to sit back and ask what makes you happy. I love that, Jada. I think that is such a big part of alonement as well that you have to come to things with your own curiosity, which you so naturally have. You wrote this post last year on your 30th birthday about how you imagined 30 before as this really old age where you would be settled down with a husband and children and a white picket fence. And actually now that you'd come to that age, you had other goals beyond that. And the idea of sort of settling down that early was terrifying for you personally. Would you say a year on you feel those pressures of settling down and getting married and having kids more? Or would you say that you're still following your own personal timeline with those things? Definitely the latter. Um, I would rather get married or, you know, maybe not even get married, but raise a family with somebody later on that I found that is 
the one that is, you know, somebody that has the same values to raise a children in rather than rush it because I've been told, you know, by 30, I should be in a relationship. Why am I going to settle? I don't settle for any other aspects of my life. Why am I doing it? Because society is telling me I should be with someone right now. I'd rather be alone, frankly. I think hitting 30 for me was, in one part, I was like, new decade, exciting. What can I make in this new decade, in this new chapter? And then another part of me was like, you're just 30. It's just an age. It's just a number. Like, if you want, you might find the love of your life, get married and have a child all within like six months. It might take somebody five years. You can't measure that up against either or because everyone's circumstances are so different. But one thing I did take with me is that I'm loving growing. I'm loving getting older. Things are just developing. I'm learning more. I'm wiser. I have more money. <laughs> like, there's so much about growing old that I just really cherish. And I just, I'm excited for the next 30 years, to be quite honest. If somebody gave me a magic wand and said, would you go back? I don't want to. I love my 20s. I love, you know, my early teenage years as well. But, you know, there's something about growing into who you are that I really value. And it's just going to get richer in all aspects um, that I'm excited for. I think that's lovely. I think, you know, when I personally as well look back on my early 20s and, yeah, those teen years, okay, you know, it was fun. You, you know, I mean, I don't think any of us ever really appreciated how much free time we had at that age. Oh, tell me about it. Youth is wasted on the young. <laughs> Completely. Uh, but you, you carry around these insecurities and you, you don't have that confidence and you don't really, you can't really enjoy it in the same way, yeah. can you? Yeah. And I think for me growing up, I definitely put up with more than I should have. You know, now I know, like, I don't want to waste time in that space. Or now I know what I need to do for me that I value and cherish. And um, I didn't know that when I was a kid. And I still don't know every aspect because I'm still growing into it. And, you know, it will change. What I love now might not be what I love in five years' time. But I understand the space for it to be found and to learn what that is. Um, I'm curious, are you affected by social media at all when you see, perhaps, classmates doing a certain thing going through a certain life milestone like engagement announcements and baby posts does that have any effect on you um it makes me happy it also makes me think like not everything you see is real so there's a part of it that you know i know a lot of people that are in really lonely sad relationships so just because people are hitting milestones and getting married doesn't mean that they're in love you know some people do it for so many different reasons that said some of them are in love and are extremely happy and that's also exciting to see um, but it doesn't make me compare comparison can eat you up and don't get me wrong sometimes I do feel that coming along and you know that's when I have to again give me give myself that pep talk of like that's okay that's not your life but you are living your life mm. to the fullest right now it's so it, it's like separating that understanding that narrative seeping in my stomach's really rumbling can you hear it on the mic sorry guys if no, you're listening no. to this going what is that weird noise vibrating in the background it's my stomach oh dear. yeah jada bless uh, jada's not had any breakfast <laughs> i know god luckily i'm not hungry no i'm not, oh I'm not a hungry person which is quite good oh gosh if i'd been up doing sky news at 6am this morning i'd be very hungry so you were great <laughs> absolute angel what's your most important mantra for being alone I think it's just be unapologetic and be, you know, fall in love with yourself first. Because when you've done that, then you can bring so much more to the table and you know so much about what you deserve, what your boundaries are, what you expect. And not in a way that sounds angry or demanding, but in a way of quite confidence. So I finish every episode up with a agony arm question, mm -hmm. which uh, I think is absolutely great, given your psychology credentials as well. So... The question from our listener today is, 
I've been invited on two Hendus next year and I'm already dreading them. As an introverted person, it's a nightmare scenario for me going out on a night out with a group of new people and after half an hour, I'm desperate to leave. What do I do? So I once sat on a panel with this incredible psychologist that told me about the worry bank. Parking your stress and worries, not dismissing them, just parking them and say, I will go out with my friends. I'm going to have a good time. And whatever stress I feel, I will address, but I'll address it when I get home. So you still give yourself permission to feel that, but you're like, it's not going to come in between this experience today. So I feel that's something that, you know, I practice from time to time of, I'm going to go to this Hindu, I'm going to go and be sociable and I'm not going to stop myself from having that experience because of a worry that could be irrational or something that isn't um, actually going to affect me when I'm there. You know, surprisingly, you might get there and everyone's having a great time. You feel really included and welcome and you actually go out and you're the last one standing. You might surprise yourself. But having that worry bank might be quite a helpful thing. Just park it. So it's definitely the anticipation. Because the anticipation could be the worst, can't it? Exactly. You know what? Sometimes it's always worse thinking about it before you actually do it. You know, there's always that period in between that. You know, that is what stops people from doing new things more than anything else. Is their own, like, self-critique or judgment that comes into the, the fear of judgment fear of being out of your comfort zone and that can just stop so many experiences but if you just go and you have your little worry bank I'm going to park it but I will get back to it you realize actually when the time comes you don't even want to think about it Jada thank you so much you've spoken so interestingly about the value of being single and also moving into a healthy relationship mm. you've also personally inspired me to uh, look into a solo trip to Japan so thank oh, you yeah. no, thank you for having me Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Alonement Podcast. And thanks also to my guest, Jada Cesar. I felt so empowered after an hour in her company, and I hope this episode made you feel the same. If you liked this episode, please do rate, review, or subscribe. It makes all the difference to help other people discover the show. Until next time. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.